This is a reading from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Alex. I'm the minister here at, te- at our 10 a.m. service. It's wonderful to have you with us uh, this Easter morning. Uh, we often talk about events in the world, and, and a lot of them truly are, as world-defining uh, events that change the course of history. And really, as we gather here on this uh, morning, this Easter morning, we really are celebrating and reflecting on the truly most uh, defining event, the event that changed the world forever. It's the day that death died, the day that Jesus was raised never to die again. Uh, On Good Friday, we remember uh, that Christ uh, went to the cross for us. He bore God's judgment. He suffered the punishment that our sins deserve. And how does that link to the resurrection? Well, Jesus' resurrection really is a proof that his loving sacrifice was enough. Uh, The Apostle Paul said, if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. And what he means is, uh, if Christ stayed dead, it would have meant that his sacrifice wasn't enough. If Jesus had remained in the grave, that means for whatever reason, his attempts to atone for the sin of the world weren't effective. But Christ has been raised, And because he has been raised, we can have full assurance that Jesus' sacrifice was all sufficient, was perfectly effective in paying for sin. Christ's resurrection means that there is a way back into relationship with God. Your sins have been washed away. Yes, the floodgates of God's mercy have been flung open wide. And yes, when we come to God in faith, we have full assurance that our sins will be forgiven. That's what the resurrection means. Uh, Throughout history, God promised that he would send his Messiah into the world uh, through the prophets. Uh, Messiah is a Hebrew word for king, and God promised that his Messiah would come to reign, and not just as king over Israel, but as Lord of the universe. He would bring God's cosmic rule of justice, of mercy and peace. Many people claim to be that Messiah. Ah, this is a, a sort of an image of Simon Bar Kokhbar. He was one, an Israelite. As Messiah, he led a Jewish revolt against Rome, but that revolt was crushed and he was killed. 
Had Jesus' story ended on Good Friday, he would also have been remembered as just another messianic pretender. But it didn't. His story ended in resurrection. And so that's God's testimony to us and to the world that Jesus is who he claimed to be. As the Apostle uh, Peter preached, uh, the resurrection is a proof that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And so because Jesus was raised, Jesus isn't just a fact, someone in history we give assent to. If we believe in Jesus, if we believe the resurrection actually happened, we can't just go on living as if nothing's changed, just living our lives as per normal. The resurrection means that Jesus is Lord over everything, including you and me. It means he deserves all our loyalty and our love, all our obedience and our worship. And that's why we gather to express that together. The bodily, historical, the miraculous resurrection of Jesus is the world-changing event. And it's the foundation of the Christian faith. As the Apostle Paul says, if Christ has not been raised... Not only are you still in your sins, but your faith is futile. Without the resurrection, he's saying, Christianity is is pointless. It's useless. There's no uh, point gathering here on a Sunday. Christ's resurrection has to be historically true for Christianity to be worthwhile. But is it true? I think there are lots of good reasons to believe that it is. The best evidence we have are are gospel accounts like we heard read before from Mark and the other ones. And there's really good evidence to suggest that they're historically intact, that what was written is what was actually reported from those first events. And there's good reasons to suggest what was reported was what was actually seen, what they actually saw happen. One reason is the prominence of women in the account. You would have noticed uh, in Mark's gospel, in his account, his very brief account of the resurrection, he mentions three eyewitnesses, three women. They'd seen Jesus die. They were there on Good Friday. They'd seen where he'd been buried. But when they came to arrive to anoint the body, as was the custom, they found the tomb empty. Why? Because Jesus had risen. And later, as recorded in Matthew's Gospel, they saw him face to face. But these eyewitnesses were women. Uh, Sadly, women uh, at that time weren't considered as credible witnesses. They couldn't give evidence in court, and there's uh, lots of sad reasons for that. But the point is, if you're making something up, why would women be the first witnesses? Well, you wouldn't do that. And the fact that we have this here suggests that the events of the resurrection weren't made up, they were recorded, recounted as they actually happened. Well, after these women, many other people saw Jesus raised. They ate with him, they spoke with him, they heard him, they, they touched him. And as the New Testament was written, these eyewitnesses were still telling their stories as they went out and told people the good news. Anyone could have asked them about it. These gospel accounts, is that what you saw? Yeah, yeah, this is, 
This is what I saw. And they could have discredited them right then if they weren't true. And not only that, many of these eyewitnesses were killed for keeping on telling their stories, even when they were told not to tell them. Do you reckon they would have died for something that was made up? For something that they knew for a fact wasn't true? Do you think they would have kept telling their stories even to the point of death if they hadn't been convinced that they'd seen Jesus alive? As American theologian uh, Fleming Rutledge said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we would never have heard of him. Another person consigned to the annals of history. There's lots more that could be said about the historical basis of the resurrection. Uh, If you want to find out more, we do have a bookstore out there. I just want to recommend three books. Uh, One is called Is Easter Unbelievable? Uh, a good way to kind of get into the topic. There's another one here called, uh, on there called Surprised by Hope, uh, which has some stuff about the historical basis of the resurrection, but also the wider implications. And a book called Hope in Times of Fear, uh, another great book about the resurrection. You can get them on the bookstall after. Another way you can find out more is to come to our Christianity Explored, which Amy will talk a bit more, where you can ask your questions. That's a little bit about the resurrection. But what we're going to focus on a bit later uh, in another part of our service is what the resurrection really means for us. Uh, we looked at, um, we looked at uh, kind of what the significance of the res- resurrection means for Jesus, uh, how it's kind of anchored in history, and now really what we're going to do is uh, look at what it means for us. And, and to do that, I'm going to take us back to a funeral that happens Uh, in John's Gospel, because sometimes it takes uh, things, events like these for us to really realise how important that Easter Sunday really is. So I'm going to invite uh, Amy up uh, to read uh, the first part of the story, and it's uh, the main section in the outlines you would have got as you came in, so I'll get Amy to read that. All right, um... This comes from John chapter 11. I'm going to read the first seven verses for us. Now a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, This illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. Now, this is a story of a man called Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus uh, and his family lived in a place called Bethany, uh, about four days' journey southwest of where Jesus was at the time. Uh, We know that uh, Jesus loved Lazarus. Uh, That's why it's surprising to hear that Jesus doesn't leave 
as soon as he hears that his friend is sick. Instead, he waits two days. Uh, Well, why would he do that? Is it because he reckons, well, Lazarus has just got a bad case of the man flu and he's kind of faking? It's not that. He knows what's happening is serious. Uh, And in fact, he only leaves when he knows Lazarus is dead and it says in verse 14, which is there on your outline, actually, it's not there on your outline, so don't look for that. Uh, He says in verse 14, Lazarus is dead and for your sake... I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. I wonder what's going on here. Is uh, Jesus using Lazarus for another purpose? Now, that's true, that's, that's pretty brutal, right? But that's not what's going on here, I don't think, not quite what's going on. First, we know that uh, Jesus loved Lazarus deeply and he wouldn't use him that way. And second, the journey to Lazarus was four days and Jesus waits uh, two days before leaving. And when he arrives uh, in verse 17, Jesus found that Lazarus was already in the tomb for four days. So why did Jesus wait? Well, if you do the Mass, even if uh, Jesus left immediately, Lazarus would have been dead uh, for but two days instead of four And so the reason why he waits is because the Jews thought uh, decomposition set in after four days. And at that time, they thought that's when the soul left the body. In other words, uh, after four days, uh, the person is properly dead. So Jesus waited, really, because when he got there, there would be no kind of uh, misunderstanding, no confusion, no doubt that Lazarus was really gone. And so at Bethany, when Jesus came, he would not only show his love for his friend Lazarus, he would reveal something of his true identity to all the people that were there. Amy's going to come and read the next section. From verse 17. On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, 
supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Uh, In Jewish culture, uh, they buried the body on the day of the death. There was kind of no waiting around. After the burial, the mourners walked back in procession and then a 30-day mourning period would follow. That's a long funeral. I've been to a lot of funerals in my time, uh, none quite that long. Uh, Some are long expected. Uh, The person has... Uh, lived a full life, uh, passed away gently, surrounded by the ones that they love. Uh, Some of the funerals I've been to have been gut-wrenching and and tragic. But I think every funeral that I've ever been to has been sad. People try and process what's going on in lots of different ways. Uh, They live such a full life. They'll live on in our hearts. But at the end of the day, no one can really change what's happened, that the fact that the person we love is now gone. And so funerals, they make us stop. As it turns out, there really is nothing more important than matters of life and death. Funerals are a reality check. They remind us how trivial so many of the things that we worry and complain about really are. They remind us how uh, fragile life really is. They remind us how uh, precious people really are. And so Jesus arrives at this funeral and the grief is palpable. Uh, After he arrives, Jesus meets Lazarus' sisters. Uh, Martha is composed. Uh, Mary is beside herself. In tears, she flings herself at Jesus' feet. We all have different ways of dealing with grief. But notice what they both say when they see Jesus. It's the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They love Jesus. They respect him. They call him Lord. But really, that's, this is a challenge, right? A respectful one, but still a challenge. Why weren't you here? Is it any wonder they're distraught. I mean, there's nothing more basic than, uh, to, to life than the, the bonds of a love and affection that we have with each other. And nothing hurts more than when those bonds are kind of just wrenched and, and torn apart. There's no such thing as a good funeral because nothing can replace what death has taken away. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Well, Jesus... Uh, attempts to comfort Martha and he says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. What do you think? Don't worry, Martha. He'll be back one day. It'll all be okay. Martha's response is pretty flat, I reckon. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha knows her scriptures. She knows that all will be raised on the last day, including Lazarus. It's there in Ezekiel. And maybe soon she's going to draw strength from that promise, but right now, 
it's cold comfort. And it's no wonder that, uh, and it's no wonder that uh, neither Martha nor Mary later have fully grasped what Jesus means in verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Martha, Martha, listen to me. The resurrection, it's not just some future fact. Eternal life is not kind of some distant and far off hope. It's here. It's now. It's standing right in front of you. Those who believe in me will live even if they die. Those who believe in me will rise to eternal life. If Jesus was just a prophet or a teacher, he wouldn't have said that. He would have agreed with Martha. But Jesus is so much more. He is God in the flesh. He is God the Son. He is the resurrection and the life. From verse 33. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. The one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who flung the stars into space, the one who who spun galaxies into motion, as he approached the grave of his friend Lazarus, he wept because he loved him. He loved him. But it wasn't just sorrow that moved him. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, he came to the tomb. It says Jesus was deeply moved, right? The underlying word here also reflects agitation or even indignation, maybe even anger. Jesus wasn't just sad, though he was, he was angry. He was angry at death for taking his friend. He was angry at death, uh, at death for all it has taken. You see, this was never God's plan. Death wasn't meant to be just part of the circle of life. God created us for life, not death. Death is alien. Death is our great enemy. It rends, it separates, it tears families and relationships apart. That's why at the grave of Lazarus, Jesus weeps. And that's why he's angry. And Jesus tears, his weeping shows that he's present with us in the mess. His tears show us that when we pray, they don't, our prayers don't just kind of bounce back off the ceiling at us. They go to a God who loves us and who loves all his broken world. But this is the great news of Easter, right? Jesus did more than just weep. The great news of Easter is when Jesus encountered death... He acted. 
Let's read from verse 38 to 44. From verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. As Jesus came out of the grave, the people looked on in awe and amazement. With a word, Jesus banished demons. Get out! With a word, he stopped the wind and the waves. Stop! And with a word, Jesus raises the dead. Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. He came out because on that day, Death had met its master. But did you notice the detail? Lazarus came out still wearing his grave clothes, wrapped around his hands, his feet, his face. I guess uh, after being dead four days, uh, folding up your grave clothes neatly isn't your first priority. But I think there's another reason uh, that John draws our attention to this detail. It's because Lazarus' resurrection was temporary. Is Lazarus still alive walking amongst us now? The right answer is for an Easter egg? No, he's not, is he? He's not. Death still had its grip on him. That's why he came out dressed in his grave, uh, grave clothes. One day he would need them again. His resurrection was temporary. As amazing as it was, it was temporary. It was only a temporary solution, a band-aid. But it was a band-aid that points us to something so amazing and so much greater. Easter. It points us to the one who was raised never to die again, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. On that very first Easter, almost 2,000 years ago, when the three women arrived, they found the stone was rolled away. And this time, where were the grave clothes? And listen to this part from John's Gospel. 
Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. That's where the grave clothes were. They were lying in the empty tomb where they belonged because Jesus didn't need them anymore. Because when Jesus rose, he rose never to die again. When he rose, he had the final victory over death. And not just for, the, for him, but for Lazarus, for Mary, for Martha, for all those who trust in him. Friends, because of Easter Sunday, because of today, what we celebrate today, we can know for sure that Jesus was for real when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and the one and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. You can believe that for sure. In this life, there will be more funerals. There will be more suffering. There will be more sadness. There will be more tears. But because of Easter, death has a use-by date. Its days are numbered. Because of Easter, we need not live in fear of death anymore. Because when Jesus comes again, and he will come again in glory, he'll call out all those from the grave that trust in him. He'll call them out of the grave and into eternal life. Come out. Amy, come out. Jacob, come out. Come into eternal life. And on that day, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more tears, and there will be no more goodbyes. Because on that day, there will be no more death. The resurrection of Lazarus is the reminder, but Easter is the guarantee that those who trust in Christ, though they die, will live. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's the hope we have. Let's pray together. Loving Father God, we thank you for Easter Sunday. Through your power, through your spirit, you raised Jesus from the dead, never to die again. Father, we thank you that that promise is ours, for sure, guaranteed, when we trust in Jesus. Father, would you comfort us with that truth this morning? In Jesus' name, amen.